0: This morning, we come to the topic of Christian preaching. And it may seem like an odd thing to preach about preaching, but that's exactly what the scripture asks of us today. Because in our text, 1 Corinthians this morning, Paul gives us a a treatise on what faithful preaching is to look like. He helps us understand what kind of preaching actually honors the Lord and accomplishes his redemptive purposes in establishing this central act of the church. And I think this is a, a worthwhile, healthy endeavor for us as the people of God to consider what faithful preaching looks like, considering how much time we spend engaged, listening to, offering the preached word of God. We set aside a lot of time, or a lot of our time, our limited time, that we have as the people of God for this moment, and so it's good for us to consider why. And what kind of preaching should be given in this gathering? You know, through the years I've listened to a lot of preaching. I've attended different kinds of churches. I've gone to camps, I've been at conferences, I've even studied preaching as an academic exercise. And what I've found What I see articulated in Scripture is that there is a kind of preaching that is more faithful than others. A kind of preaching that takes into account the right message of preaching, the right manner of preaching, and seeks to bring about the right redemptive result in those who are listening. I remember the first time that I was captivated, truly captivated, by a sermon. And I'm in no way trying to dismiss those faithful men who preached over me before I heard this one sermon because the Lord certainly did great spiritual things in my life through the faithful ministry of the churches that I've been engaged in throughout the years. But I remember in particular hearing John Piper preach for the first time. And I'm pretty sure it was in 2002 and Glorietta, New Mexico, at Baptist Collegiate Week. It was just a couple of years removed from when he offered his famous sermon, Don't Waste Your Life, at Passion. I think it was in 2000. And the way that John preached was different than anything I had ever heard. It was qualitatively different. The message was different. His delivery was different. And the Lord used That preaching moment, sitting under John, proclaiming the word of God to bear spiritual fruit in my life. And over the years, I've thought about why. Why that moment was so unique and so formative for me. Because listen, God can speak through a donkey, right? Just go ask Balaam. Go read Numbers 22. But there was something unique about this kind of preaching that the Lord blessed in a unique way. And I wanted to know why. Well, what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, at the end of chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2, helps me make sense of what happened that day. Because Piper was simply being faithful to the principles of faithful preaching that Paul articulates here in 1 Corinthians. And what I hope for us this morning is that we will gain a collective understanding of not only the importance of the preaching moment, which certainly it is, but why we preach the way that we preach. While we approach preaching the way that we do it, so that we can come ready to encounter the living God as we gather around his living word. Listen, churches rise and fall on their faithfulness to the ministry of, Of the word, and in particular, the strength of their preaching ministry. That is clear from the history of the church. And what I hope we will walk away from this morning is that we have a shared conviction that what the church needs the most is preaching that is faithful to Scripture, dependent upon the Spirit, and focused on Christ. Let's begin in verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to go all the way down to chapter 2, verse 5. And here's what the word of God says. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be empty of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. As I mentioned last week, at the onset of our study of 1 Corinthians, the church in Corinth was divided. It was deeply divided, and it was divided specifically over leadership. And part of that divide had to do with Paul's skill or, or lack of skill, perceived lack of skill as a public speaker, as a preacher. And because of the way that the Corinthians valued public speaking, there were some in the church who questioned the legitimacy of Paul's apostolic office, his, the legitimacy of his message because of the way that he spoke. They thought the most important quality of a sermon was its presentation, its form, more than its message. And Paul directly addresses their concern and these accusations against him by reminding the church of what makes Christian preaching actually effective. What makes it truly effective in alignment with God's purposes and his larger redemptive work. And here's what I want to do this morning. I want to I want to ask three questions about faithful Christian preaching that I believe Paul answers in our text. And we're going to use those questions to guide us through this treatise on faithful Christian preaching that that Paul offers. And here are the three questions. You ready for them? Firstly, what is the central message of faithful Christian preaching? If Christian preaching is going to be faithful, what must the content be? Secondly, how should that central message be faithfully delivered? What is the manner of Christian preaching? And then finally, what is the spiritual fruit that we should see from faithful faithful Christian preaching to know that God is honoring, that God is moving through it for our common good? Let's begin with the first question. What is the central message of faithful Christian preaching? Well, Paul makes it abundantly clear, certainly in this text, but also in many other texts over the course of scripture, that Preaching is not faithful unless it is explicitly rooted in the cross of Christ, the atoning work of Jesus. Say it positively. Faithful Christian preaching must be gospel-centered. Listen to how Paul talks about this in our text this morning, beginning in chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but rather to preach the gospel And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I came preaching the gospel. I came preaching the cross of Christ. Chapter 1, verses 19 through, or let's look at verses 22 to 25. For Jews demand signs and Greeks Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men the weakness of God is stronger than men he preached Christ crucified chapter 2 verse 2 I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified when I came to you When I preached over you, when we talked one-on-one, every word that came out of my mouth was dripping with the gospel of Jesus. Christ is the focal point of everything that I have done, and he must be the focal point of everything that we do as the people of God. Because there's no power in the message of preaching. There's no power in the church apart from that power that the Lord has attached to the message of Jesus Christ, to the gospel, the full gospel, his death, his resurrection, his redemption that we are bought with by the grace of God. Now listen, Paul admits there's a tension for us here as human beings that God-given faith must help us overcome. Paul says that this central message, Christ crucified, The message of the cross is foolishness, at least from an earthly perspective. And this is on purpose. The cross of Christ is a surprising message for the people of God because it's meant to shock us. It's meant to confound us and our expectations about how God will act in the world. It doesn't really make sense. If you want to grow an organization, if you want to move or create a a spiritual redemptive movement, this seems like an odd message to be proclaiming. Look at verses 18 to 21. For For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God has designed the central message of the church The central message of the preaching moment, the central message of the full ministry of the word that we engage in as a church to create dependence upon him rather than ourselves. Because it is a message that we cannot understand in our own strength. It's a message that requires the work of God upon us in order to understand it. And here's the proof, Paul says, because what we look for in our own strength, God is directly going against that. Paul says, The Jewish people demand signs in order to respond to the work of God, while Greeks seek wisdom, while Gentiles seek wisdom, our human understanding to make sense of all that we see. And both of these pursuits are rooted in the strength of man for the glory of man. The Jewish people, they want a display of power that will lead them to trust, because they want power, and they want to see earthly power on display. The Greeks or the Gentiles, they want a reasonable argument that will lead them to understanding. If I can wrap my mind around it, then I will believe and I'll follow Jesus. They want ration, They want a rational argument without the aid of faith. But the cross, the message of the cross of Christ, it demands humility. And it demands dependence on the grace of God. The cross of Christ requires eyes of faith. In order to see the beauty and the wisdom of God on display, which in and of themselves are gifts from God. Because listen, to the Jew, it is unthinkable, Paul says. It's scandalous that Messiah would be crucified. It makes no sense to proclaim Christ crucified. How could the Son of God die? Why would the Messiah do that? How could God lead his people to victory through death? That's not a sign of power. It's a sign of weakness. We're not going to attach ourselves to that. And while such a message is scandalous and weak to the Jew, it's foolish to the Gentile. God doesn't act in this way. Why would God leave the glory of heaven and take on the restriction of human flesh just to die as an act of love to save his people from their sin? Foolishness. To those who are perishing. A message that's meant to be a stumbling block to those still operating in the flesh, but to those who are called, both from the Jewish people and from the Greek people, those who are being saved. Oh, friends, this message of Christ is seen to be the power of God and the wisdom of God. There's been no greater display of the power of God And the cross. There's been no greater display of the wisdom of God. But the cross, God's foolishness, it seems, is wiser than the wisdom of man. Listen, here's here's what's so amazing about the gospel. None of us would ever come up with this being the way that God would save us. No, No human would ever write this. No human would ever come up with with this plan, and yet when God reveals it to us, when we are overwhelmed by the grace of God shown to us in Christ, we see the wisdom and the power and beauty of God on display. We marvel. We marvel at how God could love us so much. That's why church, Christian preaching, Truly Christian preaching must always, always, always be concerned with the cross of Christ. We must preach the gospel, whether we're preaching from Genesis, Revelation, anywhere in between. Our message must be Christ crucified because we just don't have a good story to tell. And we don't just have good advice as the people of God. We have good news. And that is what makes us distinct. This message is both offensive and wonderful. It's the message by which God calls the lost to himself to save us from our sin. And it's the message that stirs delight in the heart of God's people for him because of how he has loved them. It's also the message by which God will separate the wheat from the tares, the goats from the sheep, as people hear the message of the cross and still consider it to be foolishness and reject the grace of God on display. We must be faithful to this message because it is the only message that we have. It is the only power we have as the church that God will use to build his kingdom to call the lost to himself and shape us into the image of Christ. Paul doesn't just discuss the message of preaching. He also discusses the manner of preaching. How should the central message of preaching be faithfully delivered? And this is where that that conversation around around rhetoric comes back into play. Now, again, because of the, the cultural value of this time on rhetorical expertise, people... And the church in Corinth were responding to wit more than witness. They were responding to manner over message. And this is causing division. Devotion to one speaker over another, regardless of the content of their teaching, because of the eloquence of their teaching. But Paul says, The eloquence of teaching... The manner of teaching is not actually the thing that you should most be concerned about when you're thinking about faithful Christian preaching. Look at Paul's challenge to them in chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness. And in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Faithful Christian preaching is more concerned with the power of God rather than the wisdom of men. Paul says, I was, I was with you in weakness. I came not speaking plausible words of wisdom, so that I could offer a demonstration of the Lord's power at work among you. Now let's be clear. Paul didn't come speaking utter gibberish. He's not coming to Corinth and speaking baby talk, right? He doesn't come and get up in front of the people and say "goo goo gaga, goo goo gaga" in the hope that somehow miraculously, the Holy Spirit's going to come and and translate, take those those words of gibberish and effect, have a spiritual effect upon the people who are listening. That's not what he's saying here. Now listen, Paul knows how to use the language. He knows how to use rhetoric. He knows how to make an argument. He's making an exaggerated point here. His point is, I'm not going to spend all my time focusing on rhetoric at the expense of the message, because the message is what's important. It's the same kind of thing he's doing there in chapter 1, verse 17, when he says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Well, of course, Paul was baptizing people, right? But the the point being there, the gospel's gotta come first. There's there's no baptism apart from the work of the gospel and and salvation happening. I was sent to preach the gospel. Baptism is the effect. I'm, I'm concerned about the message because you guys are so concerned about the means that oftentimes you're missing the content and you're allowing people to lead you astray. Listen, Paul did not want to rely upon his own eloquence or wit to transform or captivate people. He wanted the spirit of God to work. That's why faithful Christian preaching will always be spirit dependent. He wanted them to be saved by the wisdom and the power of God. He believed the message of the cross and the power of the spirit was enough. Paul's commitment when he was preaching was to lead those listening to him to praise God, not Paul. To celebrate God's ability, not Paul's ability. To to rest in God's words, not Paul's words. To glory in the beauty of God, not in the beauty of a language. Paul wanted everybody that listened to him to leave an encounter with him saying not. not, Man, what a message. Oh, Paul, that sermon, wonderful. Uh, The way, tell me how you came up with those words. He didn't want them marveling. At his language, he wanted them walking away saying, what a wonderful God. And that only happens. We only boast in the Lord when we come and approach and declare the message of the gospel in complete dependence upon him. What a challenge for us today. As preachers, as teachers in the room, as evangelists, anyone who's engaging in the ministry of the word, What are we relying upon to win people for Christ? What are we relying upon to captivate people? When you're preparing for your Sunday school class, when you're preparing for your your men's Bible study or your women's Bible study, when you're preparing to have a conversation with someone around a dinner table or at a lunch table, the gospel, what are you relying upon? Are you are you spending hours and hours trying to cultivate an argument to reason them into faith? Are you spending hours in prayer on your knees, asking God to move through your, your humble words in a way that only he can to bring someone to faith? Now, listen, there is a place for art and craft and preaching and teaching. I spent a lot of time trying to think through how to best present what what God's word says for your spiritual good, for our collective spiritual benefit. I certainly don't want God to have to overcome the way that I present something. But at the end of the day, if I'm relying upon Jared's words to bring about spiritual, lasting spiritual fruit in your heart and my heart and the fruit of our church, it will come back bankrupt because my words have no promise attached to them. God's word is the word that will will never come back void. So we always have to be concerned about making sure that God's word is positioned and the power of the spirit to do God's redemptive work. Our manner of preaching and teaching must be one of great humility, trusting and knowing that only the power of God can bring about lasting change. And then finally, we lead to this question about spiritual fruit. What is the spiritual fruit of faithful preaching? How do we know That our Christian preaching is bringing about the kind of results that God desires in his people from the word. Paul says faithful preaching, faithful Christian preaching will bring about lasting spiritual transformation in the life of God's people. You will see it. You will see fruits from faithful preaching and teaching ministry." It will certainly offer an opportunity for those who do not know Christ to hear and respond to the gospel. And it will further provide an opportunity for the gathered people of God to be sanctified, to grow further into the image of Christ. Look again at verses, chapter 1, verse 18, and then down to 26 verses, uh, yeah, 26 through 31. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And then now verse 26. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, listen to this. You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it's written that the one who boasts boasts in the Lord so consider all that Paul says should be the consequence should be the fruit should be the effect of Christian preaching listen if you're if you're separating over who is faithful in their their preaching of God's word look for some fruits not just who tickles your ears not just who makes you laugh, not who just makes the, the best rhetorical argument. Who is, is preaching the word of God in dependence upon God? Who's preaching the cross of Christ in such a way that it's bringing about these kind of results? Firstly, it's going to reveal the true people of God, verse 18. Because the people of God are the only ones who delight in the message of the cross. In fact, you won't delight in the gospel message unless you have received the gospel message until it has become the aroma of Christ to you. And the more we preach the gospel, the more distinct our fellowship will become because we'll see those who are stumbling over it and we'll see those who are delighting in it. Paul also says that that the fruit of preaching Christ crucified is that it will affirm and further the work of Christ in the people of God. Verse 30. Faithful preaching helps us to walk in righteousness by declaring the full counsel of God's word. You'll become righteousness. You're in Christ, you're declared righteous, but as you sit under faithful preaching, as you sit under the the ministry of the word, you will grow in your righteousness by Hearing what it looks like to walk in righteousness and also recognizing those places where you're not walking in righteousness. God will bring conviction. He'll help set you apart. Faithful preaching helps us become a set apart people. Righteousness, sanctification, made more holy as we consider or captivated by the image of Jesus and, and know how to walk in the power of the spirit like him. Faithful preaching helps us see that we have been freed from sin, that's this redemption part, and able to walk in free obedience to God. And faithful preaching reminds us that we are able to do all of these things because the work of Christ has been finished. And faithful preaching obviously ultimately leads to God's true people boasting only in him, verse 31. Jesus is the author and perfector of our faith, Hebrews 12. There's only one person that could save us, There's only one person that can help us walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. There's only one person that should be the object and focus of our Christian gathering, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, because of the importance of preaching for the church, I hope you can see why, a little bit more why, Paul would begin his challenge to the Corinthian church by focusing on the issue of preaching. The church in Corinth needed to be reminded of who the most important figure in their church is, Jesus. If the gospel is not what we treasure most, if the gospel is not what we delight in, if it's not what we proclaim, then nothing else of spiritual significance will happen. Because no true transformation can happen apart from the power of God attached to the proclamation of his word and in particular, the message of Christ crucified. What the church needs today is not just better speakers, what the church needs today is faithful proclaimers of the cross of Christ. Amen. So how should we respond? Again, it seems like an odd thing for us to talk about preaching. And yet, the Bible calls us to consider it. There must be a response not only for those of us who engage in preaching, but those of us who participate, who, who sit under the preaching moment. How can we respond to what Paul is? Teaching us here. First, let me just say a word to any of those in the room or maybe are joining us online who would say they are not yet a follower of Christ. You would say, I'm an unbeliever. Would you just ask this morning for God's help to see his glory in the cross of Christ? Would you ask God to help you see the power he displayed over sin and death, your greatest enemies? and the wisdom he has shown in his plan of redemption that he established in eternity past? And would you ask him to help you respond in faith by confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Our desire, our prayer for today is that the message of the gospel would no longer be a stumbling block to you, but would rather be an evidence of God's steadfast love. In just a minute, we'll have some pastors and ministers here in the front. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. If you feel the Lord working in that way and and you're seeing the cross in a new way today, come talk to us. Let us pray with you and encourage you. Now, for the rest of us who are in Christ, the church, let me encourage us to promote faithful Christian preaching. And several ways for us to do this. Firstly, Let's evidence our belief in the importance of this moment, this gathering. I believe to the core of my being, and I hope that you do too, that something unique and special happens when the people of God gather around the Word of God. There's something that happens in this room. God meets us uniquely in this room as we gather around His Word in a way that doesn't happen anywhere else. There is something unique that happens. Here among the gathered people of God as we preach, hear, and receive the word of God, I think it's biblical. I think I hope that you sense it. I hope you feel the presence of God here, where two or three are gathered in my name, there he will be also. So it's happening here. I hope that every time you come into this room, that you feel the presence of God in a unique way because God is blessing our gathering and our intention as we sit around his word. And so if you believe that, if you believe that to the core of who you are, then I hope that you would would evidence your belief in the importance of this moment by being here. Commit to being here as much as is possible because of the unique benefit that we receive as the people of God as we sit under the ministry of the word. Secondly, when we are here, let's engage. Let's come prayed up, fired up, ready to go, right? Let's engage in the preaching moment. Believe that God is speaking to us through his word, and he is working in us for his glory and our good. Now listen, I will readily admit there will be days when I will will not hit a home run, okay? There will be days when I come in here, and for whatever reason that week, I didn't get to prepare well, or it's just not coming together the way that I hoped. But if we believe that as long as God's word is being proclaimed, there is a spiritual good for us, that God's word will never return void, then we should come ready. Not based on on me in particular, but based on the promises of God. So as you think about this preaching moment, as you prepare to come on a Sunday, let me encourage you to read the passage. Next week, we're gonna be in the next section of of 1 Corinthians chapter two. Read the passage, pray. Pray for whoever it is that's preaching. Pray for the people who are gathered that God would do a work within us for his glory. Try to remove distractions so that you can be present with the people of God to hear God's word proclaimed. So come, engage. Thirdly, let's learn what faithful preaching is and listen to faithful preaching. Certainly, I want you to hold me accountable to faithful preaching in the room, but I also know that I'm probably not the only preacher that you listen to. And can I just say something that I hope doesn't shock you too much? Not every person that has a platform is worthy of listening to. Right? I'm not calling out any names. But listen, not everyone who has a platform is faithful. There's a lot of bad bad theology out there on the radio, on TV, certainly on the internet. But listen, anybody can write a blog. Anybody can buy time on your television channel. Anybody can put up a video online. We need God-given discernment over what is actually beneficial for us and is faithful. It's achieving the goal of faithful preaching. And so let me just offer you a couple of things here. First, just know your pastors here would love to help you in this. So if there's someone, if you're reading a book or you're listening to someone and you begin to have that little spidey sense that spiritual sense like hey something something seems off here should i be reading them should i be listening to them we would love to help you come talk to us it's one of the joys of being a a pastor is to protect the flock so come talk to us but i also saw this this article from kevin DeYoung as a faithful pastor earlier this week and he he wrote 15 discernment diagnostic questions for his church to help them discern Whether or not something or someone was worth listening to, I'm not going to read all 15. Let me just give you a couple. Firstly, does the teaching sound strange? Now, listen. uh, We've already said the cross, Christ crucified. It's it's foolishness, right? It's a little strange thing, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying, okay, for those of you who have been in the church for a long time, you've been discipled, you've sat under the ministry of the word, you've read the Bible. You're listening to something and it doesn't line up with what you've heard for years, for decades. Like something is, is different and off. That should be a red flag for you. Immediately you should begin asking the question, why have I never heard anything like this before? Now it could be there was something missing. There was something lacking in your discipleship over the years and, and the Lord's unveiling something new. But it's also possible that someone is is saying something that is contrary outside of God's word. I had one professor tell me one time, um, we're, we're 2,000 years into Christian history. It should not be your goal to say something that someone else has never said before. Because if you're saying something no one else ever said before, chances are you're jumping into heresy. So be careful there. Secondly, does it sound too good to be true? It's what you're listening to or reading. Does it sound too good to be true? This is the big issue that I have with the prosperity gospel. It's promising you things that God never promised, but it is things that we've always wanted. And we're just hoping that God is now the the new source, the new genie that can give us what we've always wanted. Does it sound too good to be true? Be careful. Does it involve prophetic words? Like for instance, God told me to tell you this. God told me to say this. And in particular, it's contrary outside the scope of God's word and what God's word has promised. Be careful there. Does it involve teaching secrets? Does it involve an unmediated approach to spirituality? Is it mystic in nature? Meaning that it's trying to go around Jesus to get to God. That's what's going to happen in Corinthians. We'll talk about this. But. There are some teachers who are coming and saying, listen, I know you got this Jesus person. He's great, but we have the true secret of encountering God. Or they'll say things like, you don't just need Jesus. You also need this to get the full experience of God. Listen, if anybody ever diminishes or adds to the work of Christ, that should be an immediate red flag. Get out of there. And does it neglect the need for repentance? Does it diminish sin and therefore diminish the gospel? All those things should be concerns for you. And then fourthly, let's promote faithful preaching by raising up faithful preachers and teachers to minister the word of God faithfully. Both here at Bayleaf and for the sake of the kingdom. We've got a a wonderful record here, church, of raising up godly men and women to serve the kingdom, don't we? So many wonderful uh, pastors have been launched in this church. So many wonderful missionaries have been launched from this church. And I, I hope that we would re-up our commitment to this. Because there's an epidemic in our state, in our country, around the world. Where we are, we are lacking faithful teachers of the word of God. There are many churches a scary amount of churches, percentage of churches in the state of North Carolina that today did not have a pastor who could step into the pulpit and preach the word of God. That's true across the country as well. We need to be engaged in that work. We need to try to identify gifts, talents, and abilities. And still what it looks like to to preach Faithfully teach, faithfully give opportunities, even when they're not at their best, so they can grow. I'm so grateful for many churches who heard me bomb. I mean, deliver terrible sermons so that God could grow me and flesh out this gifting to fan it into flame for the sake of the kingdom. Will we we be committed to that kind of thing? Loving our brothers and, and sisters well who wanna go out and teach raising up faithful men to go pastor, men and women to teach in small groups, women's studies, Bible studies, men and women to go to the nations. That should be something that we desire to do and we should put our resources behind that because we so value the kind of specific, Christ-centered, spirit-dependent, God-honoring, preaching, and teaching that we know that God will bless. Because we want to see the kingdom advance. We want to see the gospel proclaimed until the day that Jesus takes us home. May we be a people united in our love of hearing the cross of Christ proclaimed. May we know nothing else but the message of the cross. Wherever you are, will you bow your heads? Spend some time asking God to help you know how to respond to his preached word this morning. Again, if you don't know Christ, Come, let us talk to you today. Let us encourage you to follow him in faith. If you do know him, you're a part of a local church, let's commit to promoting faithful preaching and teaching. Let's, let's thank God for helping us to discern what it is to be faithful in preaching and teaching. And come with that expectation here. That's, that's the kind of preaching and teaching that we're gonna hear and desire. and see it multiply for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of those who do not, yet know, do not yet know Christ. Father, would you help us respond in a way that brings you glory and helps us walk in greater faithfulness? Thank you for your word. Thank you for the message of the cross. May we, we never grow tired of hearing it. May we never grow tired of proclaiming it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week at Bayleaf. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website at bayleaf.org.